eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to the Bucknuts Happy Hour. We are into almost week six of the college football season here, which, if my math is right, that makes this the also the sixth episode of the of the Bucknuts Happy Hour. Maybe seventh. We might have done one in the preseason. I don't remember. It's it's all going by so fast. Uh, I'm Patrick Murphy from Bucknuts and Two Four Seven Sports, hosting today. We're going to talk Buckeyes, Michigan State. We're going to have some fun uh, with with the happy hour as we have the last few weeks. I've got a a Bud Light, nothing special today. My St. Louis Cardinals are currently playing, so that's my uh, St. Louis pride right there. But uh, if you if you can pull up a pull up and uh, grab a cold one, feel free. We're going to be joined by Stephen Brooks here in just a minute from our Michigan State site. Talk some Michigan State with him for about twenty minutes or so. Get a lowdown on what's going on with the Spartans before the Buckeyes head up to East Lansing. Then we'll talk some Buckeyes. I've I've got some topics plan but if you guys have anything you want to talk about feel free to throw some questions some ideas in the chat if you have questions for steven feel free to uh you know put them in there as well if, if you have questions about michigan state and what's going on there so without further ado let's get steven in here and let's get this happy hour going shall we there he is steven what's how up, you man? doing i'm doing great man you're a man after my own heart with the bud light um uh, that that's what I would be drinking on, but I, I ran out uh, a couple days ago, so I'm on my fall routine with ruby red uh, grapefruit juice. Uh, knocks the you know the the flu, any of that fall sickness stuffy stuff right away, uh, right out of you. Um, it, it's one A to booze, honestly. So if I feel I don't feel anything yet, so this is kind of the preventative. But if I start Good. feeling that little tickle, honestly, I don't know if it's some you know I don't know what the science if it would back me up on this, but 
um, a good a good booze, uh, you know, a good boozing, a good night of uh, indulgence, you know, usually for me, for whatever reason, I don't know if it kills it, you know, on spot or what, but uh, that's usually a good uh, a good deal uh, as well. All right. Well, that's good to know. That's a nice endorsement for that. That's my, medicine, that's, a, that's my medicinal tip for the for the show right off the top I, for everybody. I love it. I love it. Uh, maybe they should give you an NIL deal for that. Um, so let's talk Michigan State. You and I did uh, our, our question exchange that people can go on the sites, both of our sites, and, and read if they want to. So we'll probably cover a little bit of some of the stuff that was in there. But I guess the most obvious thing, and, and we did touch on this in, in the, uh, the questions, but you know, this Michigan State team was was among the top in the country last year. That has not been the case so far this season. Without going into too much detail, but for people who on our side who haven't seen Michigan State each week, what what's going on in East Lansing right now? <laughs> yeah, that's see, I'll try to be as concise as possible. But I mean, there's a <laughs> lot. It's layered. Um, look, you know, I think there was a lot of uh, assumptions made, you know, after last year and and all the success that they had. Um, you know, and of course, when you look back on it and, and, and even in the moment, though, a lot of people knew so much was built around Kenneth Walker and everything. He provided that offense and in turn provided that defense by allowing them to stay on the field and and this and you can get them early leads. You know, I mean, I'm not going to say he was the whole team. He was the only thing, you know, the only reason they won all those games. Of course not. But, you know, he he had a hand in almost everything that they, that went right for him. Um, and I say all that to say, like, you know, so there was there. I think there were some natural assumptions made about, you know, certain players taking steps forward. And just uh, especially defensively, you know, um, you know, they gave up more passing yards per game than anybody last year. So it was kind of like, well, they can't do that again. Right. And now it kind of looks almost the exact same. You know, and it is almost the exact same personnel back there um, other than they got a transfer from Georgia. Amir Speed, number six, who's a six, three corner and, you know, looks pretty intimidating, but, you know, really hasn't hasn't done much to, to, to raise that unit uh, in the past game. So. Uh, it really comes down to two major things, um, as I wrote in my Q and A with you. I mean, there were two. Once you, even if you bought all the hype in the world and thought this team was gonna, you know, run it back with ten more wins again or something, ten plus or whatever, uh, you everybody always had two main concerns coming into camp, and they were obvious as day. It was it was offensive line play and defensive backfield, you know, play. And in through five games now, um, there's there's not many good answers you know on either front that's kind of when much holding them back on uh, in each of these three losses there's been some consistencies in those areas you know they start 2-0 and against western michigan and akron and you know with all due respect to them there's a difference when you play power five competition as we've seen and their their run game has just dropped off a cliff uh in the secondary really you know hasn't wasn't even up on the cliff to begin with i mean they were just they, they've been kind of down the whole year um so that's been troubling, you know, to when you see the same thing, you know, fan, you know, it's, it's stuff that even like Joe fan can see, like the, the guy who doesn't know, you know, knows nothing about football, just tunes in on Saturdays, you know, and it's like, wait a second, why are they catching the ball? And there's nobody on Michigan state's defense on my screen right now. You know, like everybody can see that type of stuff. <laughs> That's right? a problem. Yeah. Or when you run, you know, you run inside zone and you guys get stonewalled right at the line of scrimmage or it's one, you know, zero, one, two yards at best repeatedly and everybody can see that like why are you running up the middle it's like well there's nuance there and there's other you know you got to keep balance and this and that but uh there is some of these things too that like everybody can see and i think that's added to the to that sense of frustration it's not like super high level 4d chess that's breaking down you know right. that, that you could say um you know the third down pressure packages are you know they're not attacking the weak side as much so I mean, we're not at that level yet it's like it's just at some elementary levels where things are really broken down uh, and like i said everybody can see it and I think that's added to the frustration. You mentioned in 
our Q&A that fans, for a number of reasons, are, are being patient with Mel Tucker. But one of the things I thought that, that you know I just hadn't looked into was the recruiting and that that's picked up, really. Um, so is there – maybe this season doesn't go the way fans want it, but is there a light at the end of the tunnel coming down the road in your perspective with this team? And I, I know we're talking – we'll talk about this game and whatnot, but just kind of big picture here. Do, do you see yeah. it progressing in the right way? Oh, of course, uh, right now, you know, and as we sit here in early October, I mean, sure. if the, the, the idea is, you know, even and I think there are a lot of reasonable people thought that this could be a underachieving team. But what we thought that looked like more like six and six right now, that's like, man, can they get to six and six? So things have, have shifted kind of radically. You just don't want to yeah. see that total death spiral swirling the toilet bowl. Right. You want to at least, you know, punch back a couple of times. Uh, right. You know, nobody expects them to win tomorrow, but rise up and beat Wisconsin the next week. Uh, don't get completely obliterated by Michigan and then regroup in November and, and pick up a couple of things. You got Illinois in there, Rutgers, Indiana, all winnable games. I know Illinois looks obviously better than they have lately, but yeah. winnable games. Um, and then you go to go, go finish at Penn state. So yeah, you know, there, I also I say, I'll have to say like, if they do death spiral and start losing some of these commitments, you know, in the 2023 class and, you know, things can move quickly now in the NIL era, as they've learned, you know, they've been right there in the thick of some races. And then at the 11th hour, it's something different, you know, so that could certainly happen. And, and if, if the performance, you know, starts sputtering again, then yeah, you know, you could, you could see that happening right now. They're, they're holding firm. And so that's the reason, yeah, like you mentioned like that, and I was writing about like, there is a lot of faith here and, you know, people want to make every loss, you know, 95 million and the contract gets brought up and it's, it's right, punchlines sure. and everyone's having a good time. Um, but he was never being paid for that season. It was always about where he could take it, you know, and it's like nobody would have ever predicted that 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 they were going to go 11 and two win the Peach Bowl last year, even as even they knew Kenneth Walker was really good, but they didn't know they were going to go win all those games. And I think it's four and oh and one possession games, you know, a couple of uh, at least one overtime win, you know, quite a few fourth quarter rallies, like a lot broke their way. And I'm not saying like necessarily they were lucky, but a lot broke their way, you know, and in college football that just that swings back on you eventually. Right. Um, So, yeah, the the recruiting is, you know, that's a big part of of why he got paid, of why the faith is still there. Um, Right now, I think it's 10 four star commitments. I think that would be that would have been the most or second most at worst of the whole Mark D'Antonio era. You know, and obviously he built that program and sort of on, you know, uh, overachieving guys, diamonds in the rough and, that was mostly true. I mean, they did have some legit talent come in there. It's not like it was just a bunch of bombs off the street that they developed. I and mean, they, they did get some good For players, sure. but but there was always a, a good story, like every cycle, you know, of somebody who was overlooked who became a, a stud here. So um, all that's like, but they're 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 reaching higher now. You know, this staff uh, they're going coast to coast, every corner of the country. They have some connections, or they're at least going to get into fights there, um, which is different from from the previous staff. Uh, they don't feel like you know, they, they don't they're not intimidated by that, you know, whether that's that's sort of false bravado at this point or, or whether it's the smartest use of resources. You know, well, I'll have to, we'll have to see. But they have they have one pretty big in Texas and in Louisiana and Florida so far, sort of in their weight class, I guess you'd say. And they're trying to sort of throw their weight around against the Georgias and the Ohio States and, and, and all that of the world. But they, they got to build up to that. So the 23 class right now, again, a long winded answer. But if it all sticks together. Um, which I think it probably will for the most part, unless things go totally uh, off kilter, totally, totally. Um, then that would be, I think, again, the best or second best class of the last, you know, like 20 years, 15, 20 years. 
2024 class is already off to a start with two guys who are four stars, top 200 guys. So there's no evidence at this point that on the recruiting trail, Mel Tucker isn't what everybody thought he'd be, basically. I guess I probably could have just answered it in just that sentence. But yeah, there's, <laughs> all the evidence is there that he will be – he's building towards something that will be much, much more competitive, much more capable of of giving Ohio State, you know, a bloody nose at least. Well, and I think that's, a, you know, a good thing for the conference. And, and you know, I know mm-hmm. some people disagree, but when Ohio State – you know, the some years where it's just been run through the Big Ten – you get to the college football playoff and you, know, you saw it. I mean, they, they had that close game against Clemson in 2019, but you know, if they'd played some closer games and the competition had been tougher that year, maybe they're, they're more used to playing in some of those games. I think it's better when there's competition, especially in this division, you know, when Penn state was, was challenging when Michigan state under D'Antonio was, was challenging Ohio state. And plus for the viewer, yeah. wouldn't you rather have some fun games? I mean, frankly, I'm sick of covering blowouts. I'd like to see an interesting game at some point this year. Uh, no, yeah. I mean, just, and, I, and just different representation in Indianapolis. Like, with all due yeah, respect, sure. I'm sorry to your viewers and everything. Like, I get it. But it's just like, man, like, that year that Penn State went, like, was kind of fun, honestly. And, like, it was kind of cool to see somebody different down there. Um, like, I've seen Michigan State they'll get down there. I mean, Northwestern obviously has played a couple, you know, some some a couple good quarters, I guess we'll say, down there, you right. know, <laughs> across a couple games. So, uh, yeah, just just even getting some different matchups down there, you know, would be fun. I guess that does mean, you know, bad things in Columbus for that they're not there. But I can't lie. I mean, that would be kind of cool to see a little bit more of that. Or just, yeah, you know, the way uh, Penn State used to roll into Columbus and they had that night game, you know. And yeah. you actually felt like there was something, you know, maybe could could happen there. Wisconsin the used to come in. Yeah, you know. And obviously Michigan's been what it has been for, you know, the better part of 20 years. But right. um yeah, you know, no, no doubt. I think it's, yeah, especially, um, you know, how interesting things could be if we go divisionless here in a couple of years right. or whatever with, with the West Coast guys coming in. Uh, I don't know what that would look like, but, um, you know, with scheduling and all that necessarily. But, I mean, I, I want to say it would lift all boats uh, with a good Michigan State. And, like, yeah. that's the thing. I mean, I think people laugh at it a little bit, and it's like, oh, yeah, they're going to go get you – know, they're going to go recruit toe-to-toe with Ohio State. And it's like, well – you know, dang if they're not trying, man. Like, they, right. they they don't believe that they, you know, of course they're going to take some on the chin right now. They're not going to win hardly any of those, if any of those, right now. But it's like you got to keep knocking on that door um, or, or else why bother, you know, you're not even sure. in the race. And so um, they're swinging against some some big-time programs in, in some of these races and, you know, making headway, I think. So there, there's a lot to be uh, happy about. I want to say, you know, optimistic about with the recruiting end. It's just like, there's this there's this other dynamic in play, and I don't know if your viewers really understand like this the complexity of this, but like if we just when Mel Tucker was hired and like when you can realistically expect anything out of him, you know he was hired in February of 2020, not like December or like Thanksgiving of 2019, right. where you had two three plus months, you know, to to salvage a class, to get in there with the weight room and see those guys, you know, to put together spring ball or maybe even have a couple of those like. Um, he got hired and one month later, you know, campus was shut down literally almost exactly one month later. So his first recruiting class, 2021, I think he had one week to host those kids and everything else was done by zoom. And look, I know everybody had these restrictions. I get it, but who else had one week, you know, to meet these guys as, as first year, as a first year head coach at a major program like that. So, um, it's like that whole 2021 class even, which was pretty solid, like all things considered, but it's, you know, a decent chunk of it's already washed out. Some guys never made it to campus. A lot of guys have kind of been recruited over or passed over already. So people are, people are willing to throw that one out already and say 2022, this year's freshman, 
you know, year three from Mel Tucker uh, football wise, but this year's true freshman class, this is his first real class, they say. So now four years from now, which would be um, going into what year six before. Yeah. Year six uh, from Mel Tucker um, is the, when they're juniors, I guess, at that point, year mm-hmm. six of your first recruiting class, you know, it's like, the, the, was that fair then to judge him? You know, so there's, there's, there's some weird dynamics in play. Um, you know, I don't, I don't mean that to say like there's, uh, there's dissent here or anything. Like I said, I think his approval rating is very, very high. People are still extremely pleased with what he's doing for the most part. They kind of want to see a new uh, defensive coordinator uh, after everything that's gone on. But <laughs> in terms of Mel Tucker, I mean, his his popularity and approval rating is, is still through the roof. Um, and like everything I just mentioned kind of is why. Well, let's get into this game. Um, and if you have questions about Michigan State, throw them in the chat for Steven. Um, he'll know better than I will about, about the Spartans. And, and we do have a couple here. Uh, where goes Ohio or where, where goes one? Sorry, I read that wrong from YouTube. Who is the, the biggest pass rusher in East Lansing? Who, who's the guy the Buckeyes need to be worried about when it comes to getting to CJ Stroud? Sure. Uh, kid's name is Jacoby Winman, number four, um, transfer from UNLV and came in as a linebacker. He's had a really interesting career. Uh, was sort of a late bloomer in high school, sort of a, a tight end, defensive end, hybrid guy, played some quarterback and linebacker and also all over the place. Uh, couldn't really find a home. Goes to UNLV and starts as a defensive end for his first year. Then uh, not not starting, but like begins his career as a defensive end. Right. Then moves to outside linebacker year two. Then moves to middle linebacker year three. Has a 100 tackle season. Uh, all Mountain West and enters the transfer portal looking for something bigger. They bring him in here thinking he's going to be that stack linebacker type of player because um, they had lost a guy, and, and they just were very, very thin there uh, coming out of last year. And he looked like he was going to be a starter, practiced there all spring and everything, came in here, uh, got the jump start. Um, and then, like, midway through August camp, uh, probably even later than that, you know, maybe two-thirds through August, they just uh, they realized, they're like, oh, we're a little thin here, defensive end. He's got a background at it, right? And threw him down there, and according to Mel Tucker, he won his first three reps, you know, in, in an inside run drill. Um, you know, just shedding blocks and getting to the ball carrier there. So right away, they're like, all right, he's the end now. Um, and he's been their best guy, uh, sort of long-winded there, but he's been their best guy. I mean, you know, he probably heard, saw some highlights or headlines in weeks one and sure. two. Uh, he's, he had five and a half sacks, I want to say it was, across those games and four forced fumbles. I think it was he had three in one game. So he was just dominant, um, you know, against Western Michigan and Akron. And he's from New Orleans, which is where uh, – Michigan State's new assistant pass rush specialist uh, is his title is Brandon Jordan is the guy's name. He works with Von Miller and TJ Watt and all the, you know, Max Crosby, all these NFL guys. I've heard of Um, those guys. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. A couple, a couple well-known dudes there. Yeah. Um, And uh, so he's on staff at Michigan State now. He's from New Orleans. He, before he made it big and trained all these, you know, uh, all these big name guys, he, he was just a a regular trainer in in the New Orleans area and he worked with Winman down there and he always used to tell him like man you're going to make your money as an edge rusher and he was trying to play quarterback and do this you know play receiver and do all these other things at the time and now you know five six years later or whatever uh they're reunited and he's working with him and trying to you know get him paid as a pass rusher so he you can see he's got a lot of that technique but man he's been a ghost since the washington game quite honestly their their whole defensive line and, and pass rush really uh, has fallen off a cliff that those first two games uh everybody's like oh wow Brandon Jordan, you know, the guy I just mentioned, he's really making an impact. And Jacoby Women, oh, my gosh, could he be the Kenneth Walker of the defense? <laughs> People actually said that. And, um, you know, through two games, he, had, he looked really good. And then he just – he hasn't been uh, nearly as productive uh, at all. But yet he still is he, – he's still their top threat right there, especially right now. Their other end 
uh, Jeff Petrowski, Ohio kid from St. Ed's. Um, yeah. He's down. I don't know if he'll be back, but he's missed a lot. He's been out since the second half of the Washington game. And his backup, Chris Bogle, a transfer from Florida, uh, went down in the Minnesota game. So I don't know if either of those guys will be back, but um, just I just say that to say like they're, they're pretty thin on the D-line right now. Well, and I think that's going to be an interesting battle because – and I think it's interesting every week because, look, if you're going to stop Ohio State's offense, what's what's proven to be effective, at least the passing game, is you know that, that shell coverage that you see a lot in the NFL, dropping guys deep. And if you can mm-hmm. rush the passer without having to bring extra guys, get to C.J. Stroud and make him uncomfortable, I think that's a way to do it. Teams haven't been able to. Ohio State's pass blocking has been very good. They haven't played a, a great defensive line yet. But you know, I think that that's an interesting uh, kind of aspect to this game. Let's talk about Peyton Thorne. Um, you addressed him a little bit in, in the Q&A we did, but this was a guy I think many people thought the quarterback for Michigan State was going to take a step, and, you know, really lead this offense. I believe he's a junior, right? So Yeah, Redshaw Junior. Yeah, been in the program for a while. What what Why hasn't he taken that step in your mind? And, and I know you mentioned turnovers, something he didn't do before. What have you seen that maybe has been a regression in that department? It's been weird. I mean, he it's come. He came out this year, and like you said, and like I mentioned off the top, like when people try to look at this team and figure it out in the preseason, it's like you make a couple natural assumptions. Right. Like the defensive backfield, they can't be that bad, right? Again, like they're all coming back. They'll at least be better than last year just by virtue of being a year older. You kind of thought like, all right, Peyton Thorne, he just started 13 games. You know, um, he might not have been you know, in the lead role, but – he has all that experience. Now he's, he can step forward this year and become that lead dog. And he really hasn't, he came right out in the Western game and completed 50% of his passes, you know, and it was just, uh, they were, they were long, they were short, they were wide. He skipped a couple. I mean, he just really hasn't looked like himself. He hasn't put together a a good game yet. He might have a good half, a good quarter, or, you know, three good series and then a crazy one, you know, where he turns the ball over and loses his mind or, you know, a really awful start, and then he has a great last five minutes of the game or something and it leads two quick touchdown drives. Like, he hasn't put a lot together. And, you know, it, it makes you think right back to last year, though, and, like, how much Kenneth Walker did for that offense, even in the passing game. Just the, the play action, you know, bombs that they were throwing to Jalen Naylor and Jaden Reed, all the flea flickers. Like, it became a joke around here, but I think they ran six flea flickers and scored on four maybe at least, something like that. Um, it, was, it was incredible. Like, you don't you just don't do that. Like, that's, that's video game stuff. So – um just the effect you know i mean dragging it bringing a safety down when kenneth walker came in the game little subtle stuff like that that might have freed a guy up that might have made that throw or that read easier for him pre-snap um he just hasn't been accurate this year and like like you mentioned he's just been sort of a little dangerous with the ball and that's like what won him the job more than anything last year was like his iq and like his his um being risk averse, you know, he wouldn't gamble. He wouldn't, he wouldn't flail around with the ball and try to break tackles in the backfield. He would take the sack and eat it and live to play again. You know, he wouldn't, he wouldn't uh, throw stuff into contested double coverage and stuff like that. And he's doing a little bit of more of that stuff this year. Uh, I think it was, I don't know if it was Western Akron, one of those first two games, I mean, he's scrambling left and just does the Cardinal sin throwing right back against your body, throwing right. And sure enough, it gets picked off like very easily by a linebacker. And it's just like, man, you know, what's going on here so it does feel like maybe he was pressing a little bit um here's another thing he's gotten like evaluated at least three out of the five games maybe four like he's taken some big hits this year and has always come back from them but has at least gotten checked out and looked at or helped off the field a couple of times so I don't know by this point in the season that he's a hundred percent there you know physically and look you know you always hear who is at this point in the season 
usually you hear that like November, so maybe we're not there yet. But like still, he's he's taking some hits. He's he's gone through a football season, so it's like I don't know if he's all the way healthy right now. Um, I don't know if he necessarily was even coming into this year uh, all the way, all the way. But he, the fact is, he just hasn't taken that step. He's not able to elevate this team. When you know you went from an all American in the backfield and being able to run on almost anybody to now they can't run on anybody, <laughs> and so that that makes it hard to play QB too. You know when you can't even, like I said, just simple inside outside zone. The, you know whatever run plays your nearest middle school is running, Michigan State cannot run them to any consistent level um, at all and count on any production. So you know that handcuffs the quarterback, that handcuffs the OC. Uh, you know, and it, and it plays into um, it plays into his mind, I think, too. You know, when he's dropping back in terms of can he, what can he trust, what he's seeing in front of him, and this and that. But uh, yeah, so there's a lot of factors I think that go into it. You know, he hasn't sure. been good, but then there's other elements around him for sure that also haven't been good. Well, and, and kind of going off that, another question from Where Goes One on YouTube: Deep threat for the Spartans. Who who could possibly take the top off? You know, maybe make a big play in this game. I'd say to uh, Jaden Reed, number one. I mean, I, I think you guys are probably familiar with him. He's right. a, he's a veteran. He's been around. He's typically more of a um, catch and run type of guy. You know, he's sort of like an NFL slot receivers type of build. You know, about six sure. foot one eighty ish, but like very very wiggly, very very jittery in space there. Um, but he also he plays way bigger than that. You know, and, and him and Peyton Thorne, uh, you know, it's it's become you know an, an eye rolling thing over here. But like they played together since middle school. They've known each other a long time, so they do have a very crisp, a very strong connection where, you know, like I said, six foot 180, maybe for Jaden Reed and he'll throw jump balls to him, man. He'll go up there and get him. Um, usually those are towards sort of red zone type of plays, you know, or 40 and in or something. They don't, you don't see a lot of like 60, 70 yard bombs for Jaden Reed, but he will go up and, and climb the ladder against bigger defenders and go get that ball. Um, so he's one, the other one's Keon Coleman, number zero. Uh, he's the only guy I think who scored, the, he scored the only touchdown last year in Columbus. Yes. And uh, he is just, He's, he's going to be a name you guys are going to notice around the Big Ten a lot more in the years to come, probably even by the end of the season, I think. I mean, he's a true sophomore, uh, came in with just dripping, like, athletic potential. Uh, you know, 6'3", you know, about – right now he's about 215. Uh, probably came in around, like, 190 or so. But came in with, like, a dozen legitimate basketball offers. Was one at one time committed to Kansas, and I heard from our people out there that, like, Bill Self was actually uh, committed to Kansas to play wide receiver. But, you know, his, his plan's always been to play both sports in college. And I heard that Bill okay. Self was, like, legitimately happy to have him, um, you know, during that time he was committed. And so – but he always was going to be a, a bigger deal football player. Signs here. And he did play basketball last year for Tom Izzo's team. Actually got into some games. Um, played, like, eight games. Yeah, I mean, just just YouTube Keon Coleman. And, like, the, the kid's athleticism is off the charts for being this big. He had multiple triple doubles in high school. Once they hit, like, two or three quadruple doubles – you know, he's in there just fast break windmill dunking on kids and everything. It's just obscene. Uh, some of the stuff he was doing in high school. And then he'd go do triple jump and like set state records and like just a crazy, crazy athlete. Um, he's playing wide receiver for him. And last year it was kind of like just relying on those gifts and just raw ability. And now he actually sort of understands the nuances. Um, he's strong. He likes to block. He'll try to bury you. But he's also, you know, a downfield threat. Obviously, he'll go up and get it. A uh, very, very athletic guy can still play basketball at a high level, and I think will be part of the team again this year. Maybe even have a some some type of you know semi uh, relevant role, you know, because they only have ten scholarship guys over here this season. So he's a, he's an up and comer to watch for sure. He's just sort of coming into his own. He's had a couple nice games, and Jaden Reed missed some time, and he took over as that number one target. But it's like everyone around here 
expects him to really uh, break out sooner than later. Um, apparently, he's just a just a dominant dominant force in practice, which maybe doesn't say much against Michigan State's defensive backfield, but uh, apparently, he just uh, you know can't really be stopped uh, <laughs> in practice a lot of days. Yeah, well, and to play both sports in college, especially at you know Big Ten level, I mean, there's been guys at Ohio State that have been talked about. You know, I mean, going back to you know, I remember Terrell Pryor was talked about if he would mm. play both football, basketball. Even recently, a guy like JT Tuomalau, the defensive end, there's been conversation there. But every time it comes up in recruiting, it's like I'll believe it when I see it. So the fact right. that he was able to do that is is pretty impressive. Because yeah, it always seems like an empty promise, you know. And even yeah. I, I was everybody I think was saying the same thing. It's like, oh yeah, we'll see. Then sure enough, you see him over there, Breslin Center. You see him practicing. You're like, wow, okay, this is real. He's not the only one. Malik Carr. Uh, their tight end number six uh, also did it exact same thing like wow, a week okay. after the peach bowl maybe it was two weeks they took off i think it was a week they took off a week they came and just observed basketball practice and then like by mid-january uh they were warming up and they were practicing i'm sorry and, and and doing everything and then suited up they both appeared in the michigan game i think it was like january 30th and then keon came in like six more times one time notably in the first half against iowa time i mean he traveled with him right malik wouldn't travel malik car wouldn't travel um there was even a couple home games he didn't suit up but he was still sort of with the team yeah. uh keon would travel he would show up he would show up uh there was a time they played at iowa and i think that michigan state had lost like two or three in a row and tom Izzo was just he was just pissed off he was boiling over and uh just the As effort wasn't does. there yeah yeah which yeah so so rare um that he's some effort related happened and he was just like screw it keon get in here pointed on the you know and he'd never played beyond like the last minute of a game Right. So, so he got in and played like two or three, two and a half minutes or something in a road Big Ten game. Like, huh. that's not nothing for a guy who joined the program like a month and a half before that or whatever. Sure. So it, it almost makes you wish. I mean, I'm sure he could be a really good basketball player if he just played that. Um, I don't think it's really detracting from football or anything. Like, it's funny, too. Like, everybody asks him about it. Like, it's this – because it is, though. It is a big deal. Like you said, like, it's yeah. rare. It's really freaking hard. I can't even imagine, you know, the time and everything that goes into it for him. Everybody always asks him all these questions about transition seasons or managing both. And he just doesn't, he acts like it's high school, you know? So he's like, well, there's just, he's like one season ends and then you go to the next season. Then you play the other sport. And that's just what I do. That's what I've been doing for over a decade. He's like, what do you guys are talking? You know, he doesn't understand like that. It's uh, pretty phenomenal. You know what he's pulling off. And like I said, I, I wouldn't, he could be a starting level big 10 player. I'm not going to say be all conference necessarily. He could start in the big 10 now. Um, if he, if he just, focused on basketball for sure. And now he's, you know, I, I think he's got all the gifts in the world to be a high, high, high level receiver. Interesting. Really interesting. Uh, okay. I know you've got stuff you got to do tonight, high school football and whatnot. Uh, so let me get you out on this. Sue asked similar question to what I was going to close with. Are the Spidey <laughs> fans hyped for this game? Now I want to twist that a little bit um, because I also want to know, you know, how is this kind of being, you know, what, what did people are thinking any slancing in terms of this game? Obviously you've got the third ranked Buckeyes, but this is a Michigan state team that has surprised this team before. I know it's been a while now at this point. So like in your, your perspective, what is kind of the overall view of this game among the Michigan face Michigan state fan base? Yeah. I'll just, I'll just say, you know, even when we want to talk about summer and, making predictions and, and what people are trying to square about this team and how many games they could win. And most people fell, I think, between like seven and nine somewhere. Most people, and there are a couple yeah. of very optimistic people, but nobody said 12, 
you know, the, the, the most they went to 11 and it was always losing to Ohio State. Always. Okay. You know, so I don't think even all that, just, you know, very simply, even people's highest, wildest projections uh, didn't include them winning this game. So that was back then when everything was still rosy and, and the possibilities right. were endless. Now, uh, yeah, it's just about, you know, I think even the most optimistic people are like, well, we won't get embarrassed, you know, uh, if, when I show up and, you know, sit my season tickets and everything like, eh, you know, I just went to lunch earlier with a buddy who, who has season tickets and um, he couldn't find somebody to buy them. He wanted to sell them and, and couldn't find, you know, so he's like, well, I guess I'll go watch this. I don't know what term he used and murder or something like that. It was some, you know, some type of some word like that. And it's like, yeah, I mean, there's no reason logically to believe like we were talking about, I think it was, or it might've been another show I did, but um, I've uh, been busy this week, but it's like, what's the path to the upset for Michigan state? It's like, I would be hoping, you know, I'd be selling you a dream. It'd be hoping a prayer, you know, and pixie dust for me to tell you anything realistic about how they could possibly come through and pull this, you know, it would have to be some type of clown show, you know, from Ohio state and they're bobbling the ball and dropping it all around and putting it on the deck and, two or three first half turnout, you know, just bizarre world type of stuff. Sure. Otherwise it just, it's kind of about, I think the feeling up here to sort of get back to the point is just like, can they keep it close? Is it, will it be another boat racing, you know, and, and just sort of the cumulative effect of that. Like I mentioned, I mean, they, they, they'll quickly, I think, I, because look, most people don't expect them to win this game. They'll quickly turn their attention to Wisconsin and say, okay, all the eggs in that basket. Yeah. Uh, Cause that's a referendum on Mel Tucker. They'll say, you know, that's, that's a, character test for this team and this and that everybody knows they're not as talented as Ohio state. Everybody knows they're beaten down mentally and physically. Like that's, that's sort of a, an understanding at this point. They just don't want to leave with, you know, blood stains on their, on their clothes, I think. Um, but there's, there's more, I think uh, to be, to be learned maybe next week. And I guess I'd say that's sort of how they're all feeling. It's just like, don't, don't get embarrassed um, yeah, if you can. But I, I think a lot of people still kind of are, are accepting of, of something that's not going to be very pleasant. <laughs> All right, Stephen. Well, thank you very much. I know you're busy this week with all you do. If uh, you're looking for more Michigan State coverage, head over to Spartan Tailgate. You guys do a great job over there. Um, I'll see you tomorrow in the press box. I'm going to come and steal your two tickets so I can eat more food because uh, Excellent. Yeah, they uh, they limit us. It's my least favorite thing about going to Michigan State or <laughs> yeah, Michigan State otherwise. But, but Before I go, yeah, no, I, I wish the game was in Columbus every year because they <laughs> treat us great down there in the press box, first of all. But also I love uh, – I've uh, – I've uh, I stumbled across one time a couple years ago, Son of Thurman, um, the Thurman Cafe, like off Thurman Cafe, in, yeah. Uh, yeah, Delaware, I think it is. So I stopped yeah. there on the way out. It's like just a little small town, as as folks probably realize. And like you just you feel like you're off the radar before like you go into all the hustle and bustle of a huge game day and everything. Um, whether it's the night before or, or the morning of or whatever, I love going down there and uh, oh my god, incredible burger there. So I, I'm down yeah. for it to be at the Horseshoe every year. And then you get to the stadium, they treat you like they treat you so well. So uh, yeah. Yeah, but sorry, you got to come up here. I'll see if I can uh, you know, do some backroom deals, get a couple extra tickets for you for a hot dog that was cooked uh, three hours ago. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. And uh, thank you too, again, for coming on and, and everything for this sure. week. You've been great. I appreciate it. This was fun. Thanks for your help too uh, on the Q and everything, man. And safe yeah. travels up here. Uh, I'll see you tomorrow. All right. Absolutely. See you, Steven. All right, that was Stephen Brooks from our Michigan State side at 247 Sports. As I said, they do great work over there. Some good insight into that program, both what will happen tomorrow and what will happen maybe down the road a little bit with with Michigan State. Um, We've got our other guests stopping by the happy hour. If you've been uh, 
tuning in each week with this, you'll recognize Timmy Hall from the Buckeye Show. Timmy, uh, you, you must really like either me or doing this. You just keep coming back. Um, and I know you can't drink during this because you got to work. So I don't know what it is that, that keeps bringing you back, but I appreciate it. You'll never know what's in here. Good point. Be our little secret. For, for those know? holding up, for those listening, describe what you just held up uh, for those on the podcast version. Describe, des- oh, describe what I held up. Oh, yeah, it's just yeah. my, it's my sheets tumbler. That's all. I forgot. Yeah. This wasn't just on YouTube. Man, must be nice to be throwing this out to multiple platforms. It's not just video, not just YouTube. Boy, wild times that we're living in. But yeah, you know what? Why, why can't it be more like, like the Mad Men era? We're in the 1950s, 1960s, drinking at work. And I feel like the higher up you are, and I guess that's it's kind of common sense, the higher up you are, the less people can tell you what to do. But you see, you know, dudes with the decanters in the office. It's, it's like no big thing yeah. to pour yourself a bourbon while you're working. So why can't I just, just crack a beer? And not be looked looked on like I'm some kind of drunkard. I can well, look on responsibly and do my work. It might even be better. Who knows? I will tell you this. 100% of the jobs that I've had as an adult, I have drank while working. And uh, whether that has been allowed or not uh, is a different story. But Who knows? Yeah, I, I just but... drink responsibly. And, uh, you know, right now, uh, my Cardinals are, are playing in the playoffs. I see Sue has commented on here a couple times about them. So I'm glad I'm not the only one cheering for the Cardinals here, but, uh, so I'm drinking a Bud Light, you know, St. Louis's finest. And, uh, of course know, they're, they're winning right now. So things are going good. All right, let's get to the Buckeyes. Cause that's what people care about here. Um, Tim, we, we have a couple comments I wanted to address before we got into the topic that, uh, that, uh, I, I, the topic I told you, I thought was interesting for this one. The first one. Travion Cam Brown, and this is from James Walker on Facebook. Any word on them for the for the game tomorrow? I uh, I hesitate to try and say anything about injuries because we just have had so many pop ups on game. I mean, Travion Henderson, everyone expected him to play. The coaching staff expected him to play last week, and it was a warm up thing. I have a feeling from from what they said this week, from things I've heard, that both guys play. Um, just going into a game against Michigan state where you expect to win comfortably. What do you think of, of maybe not specifically these guys, but in general with the injuries, are you more on the side of, look, keep them out if there's any question, or do you want guys on the field to make sure they get the job done? No, I mean, Pat, I do think when you, you just heard Steven, you know, that's very interesting catching the last five minutes of, of your conversation there about where things are with Michigan state football. That is that is not fun, man. That is not good when you're paying a coach what you're paying him and it's all guaranteed. I'm sure you guys hit on that too. Yeah. And you are facing, you are staring down the barrel if you're Mel Tucker of being 0-3 against the best team in the conference. And there could be some version of that where that would be okay while you are taking the reins and trying to build Michigan State football back up to where Mark D'Antonio had it at its peak. But you cannot have three consecutive blowout losses and then just walk around there like everything is fine because it's not. So, no, I don't think Ohio State for this game, because of how they have just manhandled Michigan State for the last two years, they need to be running anybody out there. I doubt we're going to see Jackson Smith and Jigba, despite what they said about him this week. No freaking way, man. And Travion and Cam Brown, it's just – 
I think less is known about these guys because these are more recent right. injuries. Travion just seems to have a nick or a bump that pops up every other week now. And that's why it looks like he's going to be Wally pipped by Mayan Williams. And Mayan, if you look at the the PFF grades, he's actually graded out a little bit better of a running back. Well, he's, he's graded out as the best running back in the country. So he therefore he would be the best running back on Ohio State if he's great oh, in America. He's been incredible, Pat. So. And it's not that, of course, Travion, you want to have him in the mix. When he's healthy, when he's rock solid, he's good to go. Let's play the guy. But if he's coming over something, mine can handle this thing again. Uh, even Hayden has had some nice burst and shown some really good vision and an ability to move the sticks and run the ball well. The offensive line is performing so great. I don't think that gets talked about enough. The consistency, Agreed. their health, that's been a big factor. And what C.J. Stroud is going to be able to do this week as opposed to last week i know even if michigan state tried to replicate dropping eight all day and trying to take away the pass i still don't know if it would work because cj's just not going to have two in a row of that kind of performance he's too proud to be able to do that yeah well and michigan state has one of the worst pass defenses in the country whereas Rutgers is on the up and up when it comes to defense and greg Schiano knows what he's doing when it comes to that. I thought Mel Tucker knew what he was doing defensively. That's what his career was based on, and that hasn't panned out. But we both think Ohio State's going to win big tomorrow. I assume you you are on that. Um, so I wanted to touch on going stepping away from the game and kind of looking back to the preseason and what our expectations were for this team, for some individual players. Um, I'm going to let you talk first because I know you, you don't have too much time here with us this week, but kind of – Obviously, they're 5-0, and right? They're the number three team in the country. So they've lived up to expectations that way. But is there an area, a player, a position group, whatever, that has surprised you? And then maybe one that hasn't played to the level you expected with this team so far? Yeah, I think far and away, the level that, to start with the bad first, that hasn't played, you probably agree it's the secondary. It is, you know, there's been some individual guys step up. I've really loved Lathan Ransom and what he brings. Tanner McAllister, I think we all thought, would be a nice addition and a calming presence back there, and he has. And he yeah. made a hell of a breakup there and got his interception. So he's he's been a good player. But, I mean, come on. When, when Denzel Burke was looking like one of the few good football players on defense last year, on a bad defense, those are naturally some of the guys that you would expect to be even better players when a better scheme is put into place, when guys have more confidence, when they know everybody else around them is going to elevate their play. That should be even better for you. So Denzel Burke's play has obviously been concerning. And I, I don't know what they're waiting for, Pat. I don't know how many more touchdowns you need to see, you know, get thrown on this guy when he loses individual battles. This is Ohio State football. So a Jair Brown or a J.K. Johnson – even as long as Jordan Hancock is not ready, give one of these dudes an actual shot to go in there and show what they can do, like consistently. Give them one of those guys like a whole half, you know? Just say enough is enough, and, and Denzel, it's time to take a seat for a little bit and, and work some things out. So I wonder about that. Secondary could be better. The, the linebackers have really just been incredible to me, and I wanted to see that. I absolutely had an expectation that that position group would get better because I don't I just I don't think you can have a great defense if your linebackers are bad 
Yeah. I don't care. Like, Absolutely. I don't care how great your pass rush is. I don't care if you've got a couple of stellar players in the secondary. If you are missing tackles all day in the middle of the field and you don't have guys that that stuff the right gap or they're out of position, you will get burned time and time again in the run game and even in the short and intermediate passing game. So yeah, if you don't have, well, yeah, if you don't have a couple of good linebackers, you will stink on defense. That's just plain and simple. And so Steel Chambers and Tommy Eichenberg have, have been awesome. I've been really, really pleased with that. So mainly to take up all the air there, Pat, it's, it's I'm mainly focused on defense. Sure. 85% of my concerns and expectations coming in were what was this defense going to be? Give a top-rated offense in the country a chance. Just give those guys a chance. Be good enough so you don't lose out on a shot to win a national championship because one side of the football wasn't carrying their weight. It's like the Denver Bronco offense and what they Ooh. weren't doing for the Denver Bronco defense. Exactly like that. Yeah, I have Russell Wilson on a fantasy team, so that was painful last Me night. Me too. I just reasons. went to the wire and picked up Zach Wilson for insurance. Yeah. Yeah. Dear I may God. To, I may have to do something like that. One thing I want to say about Denzel Burke, because I agree with you for the most part, um, but I've, I've said this a couple times this week. When you're watching the game on TV, you can only see what the TV broadcast shows you, right? And so you usually see when they show a cornerback, it's usually either the wide receiver made a play or the cornerback made a play. Denzel Burke, I think, has been once for making a play, and he celebrated it like he won the Super Bowl. But there have been, and maybe not as much as there should be, but there have been times from watching way up in the press box where they don't even go that way because Denzel Burke has been in good coverage. And I think that's important to point out because if we're going to rip the kid when he you know, doesn't make the play or doesn't look like he's putting forth the effort, doesn't turn his head, whatever – it's, it's been inconsistent, and I, I do wonder, too, if last year it was about the same and we just were like, that's a freshman. I'd have to go back and really look at things. And, you know, so we gave him a little more leeway. But, yeah, yeah you expected that progression of a guy in a second year as a starter, second year as a, as a player. And I think I think that it has not been the, the step that we expected, right? Um, so that is disappointing for sure because this is a guy we were talking about, like, potential All-American. If, if he played up to what we thought he could be this year. So I agree with you on that. The one thing I would add is the offensive line was, was a question for me coming in just because of the new guys in it. And the fact that they couldn't run block in short yardage situations to save their lives last year, that has been a very pleasant surprise for me. And I think you've seen the benefit that, you know, credit to Mayan Williams for what he did last the last two weeks, really, but you don't do that without an offensive line that they can, uh, you know, dominate up front. And yeah, it was Rutgers, but they've, they've got some guys. I think that especially once they get in the red zone, I'd wish Ohio State would just lean on that a little bit more. Too many throws inside the 10-yard line when you've got an offensive line that's proven they can block. You've got running backs that can score. I know you want C.J. Stroud to, to do well and, and whatnot, but run the ball inside the 10. Just just do it. I yell, right. I yell at teams all the time about this, and and Ohio State has the capability to do it against 95% of the teams they play. So that's been the biggest thing for me. You touched on the other two I was going to talk about. I think those are those have been pleasant. The linebackers specifically have been pleasant surprises, more than pleasant surprise, right? I mean, who thought this was going to be what Tommy Eichenberg did this year? Steel He's Chambers great, was – Yeah. Like, I mean, Steel Chambers was was good – towards the end of the season and you expected that progression that we just talked about with Denzel Burke, but Tommy Eichenberg, I mean, he started all last year and it was, 
a roller coaster. I mean, they had a good Rose Bowl statistically, but Utah still was able to to do what they did. Now he's arguably in the conversation for the best linebacker in the country through five weeks. So, And you know what's interesting about like what our perception was recently of the Ohio State linebacker? Baron Browning and Pete Werner, it was not that long ago when those two guys played here, and they yeah. are turning into studs. I mean, yeah. best linebackers in the world type of stuff. I mean, look at the season Pete Werner's ha- having. Look at the game Baron Browning was turning in before he went out with that injury. I didn't see the update. I hope he's okay. It looked like yeah. a hand or wrist type of thing. But my goodness, like what does that say about – having a defense, what did that say about, you know, losing some time with the pandemic, the shortened season, blaming for Kevin sure. Warren, Kerry Combs for not getting the most out of some football players on the, on that defense that were clearly that talented all around. And now, you know, we kind of ragged on tough Borland a little bit for his lack of speed, but a, a good hard nose, you know, big 10 football player. And, and now with, with, with Tommy and, and Steele, it looks like you, you certainly got some, some athletes there and you're, you're getting back on track for what Ohio State linebackers are supposed to look like, Pat. Yeah, and you don't need speed necessarily to be a middle linebacker. I mean, James Laurinaitis wasn't the fastest guy in the world. Tommy Eichenberg is not fast. I mean, he he can he knows where to go. He gets there, but you know you don't have to be the fastest guy. All right, Tim. I know you got to go. You got you got work obligations or whatever it is that that you're doing over there. So, um, oh, just some jump. work stuff. Yeah, no big deal. Thanks for jumping on again. I do appreciate it. So I'm not talking into the abyss. Um, you, you always bring some some great insight. So, you know, hopefully we'll see you again. Well, next week we'll see what we do. I, I may try and come up with something something fun next week, g- given that it's the bye week. But, uh, yeah, go do what you need to do. I appreciate you jumping on. We'll see you later on uh, the Buckeye Show, right, Pat? Yeah, absolutely. All right, my man. Take All it right, easy. See you, Tim. All right. Thanks again for Tim for jumping on there. Steven also, if you, you missed that before, he Steven from our, our 247 Sports Michigan State site, he was great providing us with some analysis on there. Um, I'm going to take a few more questions. I noticed if you have more questions about the Buckeyes, uh, feel free to throw them in the chat if you're watching live. We'll wrap this up after that. Uh, Timothy Thomas on YouTube. This is more of a statement than a question, but something I've seen a lot of people talking about. Um, he said, hope we do well in the first half. McCord, Hayden, McCaffrey need to get lots of reps. OSU is pretty banged up this year. I agree. I, I mean, Ohio State's already gotten some of those guys a good amount of reps. But uh, I was on a, a different show earlier this week, and we are talking about Kyle McCord and you know the fact that he's been in some games this year, but he hasn't thrown much in the way of, of any sort of real passes. Now, I think there is something to the fact that Mostly the backup quarterback doesn't get to go in and do very much unless there's an injury or unless you're blowing a team out where you can, you can take the starters out at halftime and then maybe you throw it. We know Ryan day is not going to just throw on a team that Ohio state is beating tremendously. He's not, he's just not that type of coach. Most coaches aren't going to do that. I think the fact that Kyle McCord is getting in games is, is important. Throwing some passes would be great. But let's remember, he did start a game last year. Sorry, I hit the camera there. He did start a game last year. He played an entire half. So it's not like he has no experience throwing the ball. And C.J. Stroud came in without throwing a pass and turned out to be pretty good. So I'm not too worried about that. But I always think it's great when you can get the backups reps. I think that's important for the future of of any program. Um, and, And at a place like Ohio State, you're supposed to win by enough 
that you are uh, that you are getting reps for the backups. Shane from YouTube here said, it's funny, the Golden Domers, that being Notre Dame, reached out to Brian Hartline for the OC job, and he basically said, hell no. I saw this getting thrown around on the internet this week. I cannot confirm that Notre Dame reached out to Brian Hartline. I don't know that, um, and, and I'm not going to pretend like I do. What I do know is that Brian Hartline is very happy being back in Columbus and coaching at Ohio State. And maybe there comes a time where there's an opportunity for him to go elsewhere and take a job that he's, he's interested in. Maybe it ends up being with a guy like Marcus Freeman. I don't know what the relationship is between Brian Hartline and Marcus Freeman, but that time is not now. And I know that Brian Hartline is, is enjoying the role that he has at Ohio state. They have compensated him. Well, they've promoted him. Um, You know, he's gotten extra titles and and all that so that he, uh, you know, can, can get paid. They can justify paying him more. And, And let's be honest, Brian Hartline spent what, several years in the NFL. So the guy isn't in need of a job that's going to pay him a ton of money just to get by, you know, it would take something, I think pretty unique, um, something that hits home with Brian Hartline for him to leave Ohio state in the near future. You never know what's going to happen. There could be changes that, that, that affect what Brian Hartline wants to do. Who knows? But, you know, I never want to project out far, but Right now, I know for a fact, Brian Hartland is very happy. Um, you know, look at what he's doing with these receivers. Look at what's coming down the pipeline with the recruiting. And th- there's just no reason for him to go anywhere right now because he's, he's essentially home. He's at Ohio State where he played, and he's coaching the position group that he played, and he's doing it very well. And he's, you know, like I said, he's getting compensated well for that. So, so you know. I think there will be other people that come at Brian Hartline, other programs that are interested in him. You're going to hear this rumor. It's the same that you hear about any of the coaches at Ohio State that are successful. I mean, just think back to, to right after the Rose Bowl, and there was talk about NFL teams interested in Ryan Day. It's going to happen. Ryan Day has been really good at Ohio State. He's a young, exciting head coach who has NFL experience. So, but again, Ryan Day's not going anywhere anytime soon. So I, I think when you hear those things, Take them with a grain of salt. I'm not sure where um, the the Brian Hartline Notre Dame stuff originated from, but uh, you know I, I don't think that I don't think that you have to be too concerned about that anytime soon. So uh, yeah, I just wanted to address that. I saw that pop up in there. Final thoughts on the Buckeyes here as they head to East Lansing. Look, I think this is uh, I think this is going to be a pretty easy game, similar to what we've seen so far. Uh, you can read our predictions on the Bucknuts Roundtable, which which went out a little while before we started recording this Friday afternoon. You know, if, if this is anything other than a comfortable Ohio State win, I will be surprised. And as I wrote in the roundtable, look, surprising upsets are surprising for a reason, right? They, <laughs> No one sees them coming. No one thought Ohio State was going to go to Iowa the week after that big comeback against Penn State. And play the way they did and lose that game. It, it, you know, that's why they're surprising upsets. But this Michigan State team is in, in a world of hurt. As you heard, if you listened to Steven earlier in the show, it's it's not a good spot this year. Maybe in the future they, they get back on track. They're trending that way, but that time is not now. It would take something rather ridiculous, I think, for Ohio State to struggle in this game. 
Um, I expect Ryan Day going on the road for the first time to want the team to get out to a fast start. It wouldn't surprise me if they win the coin toss again, if, if he takes the ball and wants to just go straight down the field. Let's get that. Let's get down the field. Let's get in the end zone. Let's set the tone early. Um, but of course he trusts this defense and, and Michigan state hasn't done a ton to, uh, to prove that they should scare you that way. So I think it should be relatively easy. I forget off the top of my head, what I had as, as the score prediction, I think it was like 55, 13 or something, you know, I, this should be a, should be a rinse, wash and repeat as Steve Hellwagons likes to say of, uh, of what we've seen the last few weeks. So I'm going to wrap it up here. Um, this has been a, another fun one. I enjoy doing these. I hope you guys enjoy listening, watching, however you're doing it. Please like, subscribe, all that good stuff, whatever platform you're on, um, whether you're watching this live or whether you listen to it after the fact as a podcast. That really helps us out. We appreciate it. As always, go over to Bucknuts for, for all of our coverage of Ohio State. If you're into the recruiting and, and you like some of the more uh, detailed stuff, please become a Bucknuts and 247 Sports VIP member. Um, you know, we have great stuff around the network and, and, you know, if if you're a college football, college basketball nut, it's a great place to be. And I don't just say that because I work there. Um, I say that because I truly mean it anyway. Thank you guys all for tuning in, whether you watch it live, whether you listen after the fact, this has been another episode of the Bucknuts happy hour. I look forward to talking to you guys next week. I'm not sure when we're going to do next week. It's the bye week obviously. Um, I have, I'm traveling next weekend, so we may do something earlier in the week. We'll see. I'm going to play around with some ideas, see if I can get some guests on that might be interesting. But uh, yeah, stay tuned to social media and on the Bucknuts message boards. I'll keep you guys aware of, of what our plan is. But anyway, another week. We'll see what the Buckeyes do tomorrow, but I don't think it'll be anything to worry about on your Saturday afternoon. Cheers. docuseries on paramount plus why did he kill his family the answer lies across the ocean and a woman named sylvie she's a can model where desire leads to deception i ended up spending 12 and 15 thousand dollars a day it was addictive i can't get you out and obsession leads to murder who did this to your family you can't really maintain a fantasy forever control all desire now streaming on paramount plus